You say that in order to rectify the ummah, we need to call to tawheed, which is good and correct, but what about calling to everything else the Prophet called to, like the khilafah? <coughs> Prophet never called to khilafah. You have an ayah where you can bring to me, or a hadith where the Prophet called to the khilafah, then tell me. The ayah that we mentioned is that those of you who believe from among you and work righteous deeds, then Allah will establish you and give you the khilafah. So who gives the khilafah? Allah. The Prophet ﷺ, it is not known that the Prophet or the Anbiya, that they call to khilafah or they call to revolution. None of this. As for what you said, what about calling to everything else? Did I not mention everything else? Did I not mention Hajj? Did I not mention Birul Walidain? Did I not mention Zakah? Did I not mention Siyam? Did I not mention the Hadith of Mu'ad bin Jabal when he, when he was sent to Yemen? That if they accept the Tawheed, then inform them about the Salah, five daily prayers. Did I not mention any of that? I mentioned all of that. Did I not mention Jihad? I mentioned Jihad. Did I not mention enjoying the good and forbidding the evil? I mentioned all of that. So, return back to the audio, my sister. Surely it is wrong to follow one part of the Prophet's life and ignore the rest. Who does that? Not us. Look at the Salafi. The Salafi grows his beard like the Prophet. The Salafi keeps his garment above the ankles like the Prophet. The Salafi uses the siwak like the Prophet. The Salafi performs hajj like Rasulullah, not like Ahlul Bid'ah. You go and see what they do at hajj and then tell me what hajj is that? That they do. We pray like the Prophet ﷺ prayed. Look at Sifatul Salah of Shaykh Al Albani. Tell me that that isn't the most detailed book in the prayer of the Prophet ﷺ written in these few centuries. Most detailed. Shaykh Al Albani Sifatul Salah. Notwithstanding, Alhamdulillah, likewise, maybe to a similar degree, the Sharam uh, Mumti' of Shaykh Ibn Uthaymin, where he, where he gives. Uh, you know, detail after detail about the Salah. What, the Salafi doesn't call to that? Who is this? The Salafi is the one who calls out with Amin. You don't hear that in the Masajid of Ahlul Bid'ah. The Salafi that places the hand on the chest. The Salafi sisters that wear the hijab. This is the Salafi that does all of these things. It is the Salafi that knows how to calculate his zakah. It is the Salafi that knows how to fast. It is the Salafi that knows how to deal with the Muslim ruler who is tyrannical. So yes, this religion is a holistic religion. And the Salafis are the only ones who follow all of it in totality in accordance to the Sunnah of Allah's Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So I don't know what lecture you were listening to. Maybe it wasn't this one. So I would ask you to return back and listen to it again a bit more carefully. Barakallahu feekum. Did the students of Sheikh Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab declare the Ottoman rulers to be kuffar? And did they plunder Mecca and Medina? And also, there is a. What's that say? The what? An accusation. There's an accusation that Sheikh Islam said that he understood Tawheed better than, uh, than anyone, even his teachers. <coughs> These accusations against the da'wah of Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab and the a'immat al-da'wah, the imams of the da'wah, these aren't new. 
These were accusations invented by the Sufis, the Quburis, and every other enemy from the Kuffar, from the Munafiqeen, from the grave worshippers, from the Rafida and from the Shia, that they had to turn the people away from the da'wah of Shaykh Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab. You want to know the da'wah of Shaykh Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab? Read his books. Are they not available? They're available even in English. And they're not doctored. They're there. Kitab al-Tawheed is there. Kashf al-Shubahat is there. Musal al-Jahiliyyah is there. Salat al-Usul is there. Qawaid al-Arba is there. Usul al-Sitta is there. All of these books, the Rasail of Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab in six or seven volumes is there. His position towards the rebellion against the Muslim rulers is there. His position at takfir is there. His aqidah is actually report, recorded in point form in his Risala ila Ahli al-Qasim where he clearly states that we do not declare a Muslim to be a kafir based upon his sins. Nor do we hold it permissible to rebel against the Muslim ruler. Nor do we hold it permissible to raise the sword against the Ummah of Muhammad And likewise he said, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, with regard to even those who make tawaf of the graves. Of course, tawaf of the graves and, and, and making sajda at the graves is kufr. But what did he say? He said, by Allah, even if there was a man who worshipped at the shrine built over the grave of Ahmed al-Badawi or over the grave of Abdul Qadir al-Jilani, he said, Wallahi, we would not make takfir upon him up until the establishment of the Iqamatul Hujjah, up until the proof is established against him, meaning that the Quran is made clear to him, the Sunnah is made clear to him, that what you're doing is haram, and what you're doing is shirk, shirkul akbar. Up until then, he said, we will not make takfir upon him, because the truth, because he may be ignorant, or that a person has not brought it to his attention, that, that which he's doing is shirk. This was the position of Sheikh Ibn Taymin as well. As for their declaration of the rulers to be kuffar, then no. And Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab didn't rebel against the rulers anyway. Najd was not in the control of the Ottoman Empire. It wasn't in the control of it. They had one fortress 200 years or 150 years before Sheikh Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab was born in Ahsa. Miles away from where he was anyway. And that lasted for a few years and it collapsed. So there was no control of the Ottomans in the Najd anyway. Not in Riyadh, not in Dir'iyah, not in Qasim, not in Uyayna. In any of these places, in, in, in this Wadi uh, Al-Hanif, there was no control of the Ottoman Empire at all in those regions. So Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab sat and he gave da'wah. Sheikh Muhammad bin Saud, the Imam and the ruler of Dir'iyah, after his wife gave him da'wah, his wife took the da'wah from Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab when he came to Dir'iyah. That's where they used to live, next to Riyadh. And then after his wife gave him da'wah, he came and sat with Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab and he learned from him Tawheed and Sunnah and the sciences of the deen. Then he returned back to him and he said, I want to establish this deen. Look at how the Muslims are killing each other. The tribes are killing each other fighting over a goat for years. They would go to a cave and sacrifice an animal at a cave. They would go to the grave of Zayd bin Khattab and make tawaf and make sajda. They would go to a tree and hug the tree. A woman would hug a tree because she couldn't get pregnant, believing that the blessings 
of fertility lie in the tree. They were doing all types of shirk. And they were fighting each other. There was one village, Duwair I think it was called, in the Najd. Had four kings in one village. Father died, left four sons. Four sons couldn't decide who's going to be the next king. So they turned the village, village, Allahu A'lam, maybe what, 700 people? So they made it into quarters, and each one was a king over each quarter of the village. Anyone who passed the highways, they would find highway robbers. And they wouldn't allow them to travel from one city to another or a village to another. Even when they were performing Hajj and Umrah, they couldn't get to the Hijaz because of these highway robbers. So Muhammad bin Saud, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, I want to establish this Tawheed. And I'm going to unite all of these towns. And they're going to come under one rulership. So people can travel and they can worship Allah. And shirk will be abandoned and the sunnah will be followed. Are you with me? He said, I'm with you. And he gave him the bay'ah. And that was the beginning of the first Saudi state. The state that all of them they hate. Why do they hate it? Because of that. Because it was built upon Tawheed. It was not built upon wealth. The oil money only came in the 1950s. We're going back now to what? To the 18th century. To the 18th century we're going back to. The oil only came the other day. Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab, Muhammad bin Saud didn't see any oil. I mean, they might have. I don't think they knew what to do with it. Right? But there was no wealth. It was desert land. Then when that state was established for decades, then came the Ottomans. Right? They came from Egypt. Basha, he came from Egypt and he entered into Najd and he came killing and slaughtering. In a land that is not even their land. For what? These are people of Tawheed. Why do you want to kill them for? Rather, you should be calling them and inviting them to call your people to Tawheed. Because the Ottomans were upon shirk and grave worship and superstition. Never mind all of the sins that they allowed in their courts. But still, there was no rebellion against them. Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab sat in Dir'iyah and taught. He didn't even go to the other townships to fight. His job was teach. And he made scholar after scholar after scholar of Sunnah and Salafiyyah and Tawheed. And he was not known from them that they would declare a ruler to be a kafir. Or that they would declare any Muslim to be a kafir. All of their works and their writings and their letters prove the opposite. That if takfir is to be made because the person has fallen into major kufr, and that can happen to a ruler, or to an average person, he can fall into major shirk, major kufr. But the proof has not been established against him. So we withhold from the hukum of takfir. We can say that the act is kufr and the act is shirk. But we cannot call him a kafir because he may have an excuse of ignorance. Uzr bil jahl was a principle from the principles of Shaykh al-Islam, Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab. That a person has the excuse of ignorance. If he doesn't know, you don't call him a kafir. Unless he's an outward outright kafir like a Jew or a Christian or a Hindu or a Sikh or a Buddhist. That's different. They're kuffar aslan. But as for a Muslim who declares the kalima la ilaha illallah, Muhammad al-Rasulullah, and he establishes the prayer and he loves Allah and he loves the messenger, but someone has taught him from a young age that you have to go to the grave of so-and-so and sacrifice to him once a year an animal, a goat or a sheep. He doesn't know. He's been told that that is from Islam. Then Shaykh al-Islam, Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab and the ulama, of Salafiyyah, 
then this is what they were upon and this is what they remained to be upon if one of them made a mistake in this affair then that's his ijtihad but he's wrong in his ijtihad but as for the da'wah of Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab then it is the same da'wah of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah he was raised in his talab in his seeking of knowledge upon the books of ibn Taymiyyah that's why he quotes him often and ibn Qayyim quotes him often and he's given khidmah to the book Zad al-Ma'ad he has his own you know, a, a summarized version or a shortened version. Mukhtasar of Zad al-Ma'ad. He also has a seerah. So here we have Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab being raised upon the methodology and the tarbiyah of the ulama that preceded him. Open up Kitab al-Tawheed and you see almost in every single chapter how he quotes the Salaf. Qatada said, Mujahid said, Ibn Taymiyyah said, or from, even from the latest Salaf, Ibn Qayyim said, Fulan said, Fulan said. Nawaqidul Islam. His Nawaqidul Islam is clear, mashallah. But it requires explanation. Why? Because he's just writing a list of things that nullify Islam. But it's possible that a person has an excuse of ignorance, as he said, with regard to the one who worships at the grave at the shrine of Al Badawi or Abdul Qadir Jilani. As for this idea of takfir, you are the takfiris. These ISIS and, and Ikhwan, Ikhwan al Muslimin, and so on. They're the takfiris. You don't find. The scholars of Ahlul Sunnah like Sheikh bin Baz or Sheikh bin Uthaymin or Sheikh Al-Albani or Sheikh Muqbil or Sheikh Al-Fawzan or Sheikh Al-Luhaydan or the Mufti Abdul Aziz or Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Al-Abbad or Ali Nasr Al-Faqihi or Zayd Al-Madkhali or Ahmed Al-Najmi You don't find them making takfir They are the furthest from takfir But they will say that if a person does such and such then that is shirk al-akbar If the proof is established against him then that removes the person from the fold of Islam Ashaq what are you going to do? A person is worshipping other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he's a Muslim? No, in general we say that the one who worships other than Allah then he is outside the fold of Islam. But a person may be worshipping other than Allah with an act, with an act that takes him outside of Islam but he doesn't know it. So it must be explained to him. This is the principles of Ahlul Sunnah. Wal Jama'ah. Barakallahu feekum. Are we supposed to support Islamic leaders who do not have the oath of allegiance no matter what? When the Prophet said we, when the Prophet said we should follow the ruler even if he strikes you back or takes you wealth, was he not talking about the ones who you give the oath of allegiance to? As for the, as for the several, uh, are, uh, as there are several rulers under dictatorship but no caliph. First of all, the hadith does not refer to a caliph. The hadith of Hudayfa mentions the Amir. Some of the hadith mention Sultan. Some of them don't even mention the term Khalifa. Some of them mention the Waliul Amr or the Amir, the one in charge of the affairs, the Wulatul Amur. So, some, so to say that this is restricted to one caliph is not correct. Secondly, the hadith of Hudayfa radiyallahu anhu and some of the other hadith they mention a'imma rulers not one ruler likewise the khilafah finished after 30 years what are you talking about hadith in Abu Dawood where the Prophet sallallahu said that the khilafah will remain in my ummah for 30 years then there will be kingship 
Then there will be a biting kingship. Then there will be a tyrannical kingship. Then there will be a return back to the Khilafah upon the manhaj of Nabuwa. Hadith in Abu Dawood, not one hadith, several hadith with slightly different wordings. But all of them mentioned that the Khilafah will remain in my ummah for 30 years. That's Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, and the six months of Hassan bin Ali. That's the Khilafah. After that, there was kingship. Muawiyah was the first king and the most righteous of them. Radiallahu anhu. So therefore, you are saying that this hadith is only restricted to the first 30 years? Which, which of those a'imma, which of those rulers and those caliphs beat the people in their back and stole their wealth from the Khulafa al-Rashidin? Any of them? So this hadith comes to those who come after the Khulafa al-Rashidin. Secondly, as for you, individual not given the bay'ah does not mean that you are outside of the rulership. You are either a person who is from the Bugat, from, the, from those who have rebelled, and you have become you know, separate from the jama'ah, like the khawarij, or you are just a jahil that doesn't understand. The fact is that it is not necessary for 12 million people to line up on a Monday morning waiting to give bay'ah one by one. Ahlul halli wal aqt when they give their bay'ah to the Muslim ruler, that encompasses all of the Muslims. They are not waiting for you to come out of washing dishes in the restaurant to go and give them the bay'ah before the bay'ah is established. Ahlul halli wal aqt give the bay'ah. And their bay'ah covers the bay'ah of the people. And they are the people in authority in the land. These are the heads of tribes, the heads of the governors of townships. Or they are the ulama and other than them. Their bay'ah encompasses everyone, barakallahu feekum. So you are under their obedience. And whomsoever breaks away from the jama'ah and dies, then he dies the death of jahiliyyah. As the Prophet ﷺ said. So if you are in a Muslim land and there is a ruler over you in that land, it doesn't mean now that you cannot and you should not give him obedience. You must give him obedience. Because you are living in the land in which he is the ruler. He is the king. Or he is the president. Or he is the prime minister. Or he is the wazir of that land. Or the rais. Or the sultan. Or the amir. The Prophet ﷺ said, when he said to Mu'ad bin Jabal, and, he's, and in another narration to Ubadah ibn Usamit, that you will have rulers over you who will take your right and give it to others. You will have rulers over you who will give preference to others even though you are more deserving. You, have rulers over, you will have rulers over you who will beat you in your back and they will take your wealth. Hear and obey the Amir. So what's that? What was the question about what uh, that they, they are what totalitarian? What was the question in the in the in the thing that these rulers that they are not khulafa they are what they are dictators. So now you have a ruler over you who doesn't follow the sunnah, doesn't follow the guidance, beats you in your back, takes your wealth, gives others preferential treatment. They want their right, but they won't give you your right. All of this is mentioned in hadith. All of this is mentioned in hadith. What does that sound like to you? A dictator? Of course. These are tyrannical rulers that have been mentioned in this hadith. And these are hadith, not one hadith. There are dozens of them with that wording. Ibn Abi Asim has mentioned it in his sunnah. Also in Sahih Muslim, in Kitab al-Fitan and Kitab al-Imara. 
Sahih al-Bukhari. How many hadith? You'll have rulers over you. They will curse you. You will curse them. They'll make dua against you. You'll make dua against them. Should we not kill them, Ya Rasulullah? Should we not strike them at their necks? No, so long as they are praying. Rulers who have all of these bad traits, if you live in that land, you are obligated to obey them. I didn't give the bait out, so I'm going to put a bomb under his car. Audhu billah. What kind of madness is that? What kind of madness is that? You've broken away from the jama'ah like the khawarij. Stick to the jama'ah like, like the Prophet ﷺ said to Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman. When he said to, when Hudayfa said to him, Ya Rasulullah, what do you advise me with when they are du'at ala abwaabi jahannam, when they are callers upon the gates of the hellfire? Whomsoever answers their call, they will throw him into the hellfire. He said, Ya Rasulullah, what do you advise me with? He said, stick to the, cling to the jama'ah of the Muslims and their ruler. He said, what if there is no jama'ah? Not here. We have no jama'ah. We live in England. There is no jama'ah of the Muslims underneath a Muslim ruler. What do you do? He said, abandon all of those sects. Even if you have to bite on to the roots of the tree and death reaches you in that state. We don't follow any sect, any group. We follow the kitab and the sunnah. Barakallahu feekum. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to reward the brothers who organized this event today. Amen. From the brothers here at Masjid Abi Huraira, that uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless this building. Amen. Look at it, subhanallah. It's like you're in Saudi or something. Inshallah. And it was not funded by any government. Before the liars, they lie about these brothers. All of this was funded. Barakallahu feekum from the wealth of the Muslims, Ahlu Sunnah. And they strived and they worked. And the brothers, by the permission of Allah and by the bounty of Allah and by the blessings of Allah, Allah established for them this masjid. So it really is uplifting and it brings joy to the hearts to see the establishment of Da'wah to Salafiyyah. Because when the Da'wah began, when I say began, I'm talking relatively speaking in the UK. In the very early 90s, we did not have even one masjid of Salafiyyah. Not even one masjid for the Salafis. And now look, Birmingham, two, London, several, right? Slough, Cardiff, Bristol, subhanAllah, in Stoke-on-Trent here, Manchester, Bradford. What have I missed? I know I'm always getting told off for not. Sheffield, Bolton. Hmm? In all of these places, Da'wah Salafiyyah established, Marakis, Masajid, Da'wah, brothers traveling to give Da'wah from our noble brothers and Mashaykh. The Da'wah has come leaps and bounds. So much so now that some of us are looking further abroad. Maybe we can carry it to other countries. Inshallah. Inshallah. But this Da'wah will, Inshallah, Allah will establish this Da'wah like He said to Khabab ibn Arab that this religion will prevail. Up until a man will travel from Sana'a to Hadramaut. Even though the Khawarij may hate that. And Ahlul Bidah may hate that. This that will be established. That's why they hate. That's why they keep going on about Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab. Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab. Why? Because they hate Saudi Arabia. Which is the most stable Muslim country in the world. And it is the land of Tawheed. There are no graves that are worshipped there. There are Islamic universities that, keep, that teach the Kitab and the Sunnah upon the way of the Salaf. The Aqeedah is the Aqeedah Sahihah. Aqeedah of Shaykh Islam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab and the Aqeedah of, of Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal and Imam Shafi'i and Sufyan and Fudayl and others. Why would you hate a land like this? 
Jealous of their wealth are you? Jealous of the throne are you? Or you think you can do better? Half these guys can't even manage their three bedroom house if they have one. Right? They can't even manage their own families and paying their rent on time. But they're quick to point fingers at that Darul Tawheed. We don't say they are perfect. You're not going to find perfection. They are not perfect. But we make dua for them. And we aid them when they do good. And we ask Allah to guide them when they make a mistake. That is the right of a Muslim upon another Muslim. But Ahlul Bidah, they hate them. You won't find a single Muqtadiyah. They will go, them, go to them begging for money because they want their mosque, right? Once they get their money, you see what they say at the mimbar. Those Wahhabis and those people, look at them. But when they want their money, Shaykh, we are trying to build a mosque and we... I remember sitting in, in the dars of one of the mashaykh in Medina. Tablighi came in. Shaykh Yusuf Zakhil. Rahimahullah ta'ala. Tablighi, a couple came in. No one knew, we didn't know they were Tablighi. I was sitting there, Abu Hakim, and the group of the brothers. This was back in the late 90s. Or mid nine, mid to late 90s. Maybe about 98 or something. He came in, Ya Shaykh, we've got this mushroom. We've got this, uh, what do you call it? Project. We've got this project here. We're building a masjid in America in a village. Or in a town in America. The Shaykh said, Tayyib. What kind of dawah do you give? He said, Ya Shaykh, we converted the whole town to, they're all Muslims now. He said, how? He said, we walked into a, a church. They allowed us to preach. And the whole town is Muslim. So the American brother, he said, Kazzab. American brother, you're lying. What are you lying for? Speak with Sidq. What are you lying for? So the Shaykh said, no, 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 don't, don't argue. Let him finish. Let him finish. Turns out the man is from Jamaat al-Tabligh. But he wants the money of who? Of the Saudis. To build their bid'ah. So the Shaykh, he advised them. He said, first, this is what I do. First and foremost, study Salat al-Usul. Qaid al-Arba. Study Kitab al-Tawheed. Learn your deen. Become steadfast upon the deen. Learn the usul of the sunnah. The usul of the aqidah. Follow the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Abandon deviations. Then we can move forward. So obviously he left. We never saw him again. Right? Maybe he's going to knock on someone else's door afterwards. Wallahi, as for ourselves, neither the masjid here in Stoke, nor the masajid in London. Masjid bin Baz, uh, Markaz al-Sunnah, Definitely not Marcus Daru Sunnah. None of them got money from any government. And if you look at some of them, you see, you can see. Like one of the, I think it was uh, our brother Shamsi, Hafidullah. Uh, he said, uh, he said that he met someone, or, or someone told him of a friend of theirs, who who was saying, "Oh, look at these people at Daru Sunnah in uh, Shepherd's Bush. They're funded by the Saudis, no doubt. Look at them. Look how they." How they give da'wah and how they, they must have money, these people. Yeah, their masjid is funded. So the brother said to him, he came to Shamsi. Shamsi said, no problem. Tell him, just take him to the masjid. So they took him to the masjid. And the brother said, wallahi, there is no way these guys are funded by anyone. <laughs> uh, it was just a hut. You know. Then you have Masjid Sunnah in West London. Uh, Marcus Mu'ad in Slough. We have a, uh, what's the one in uh, Ibn Sirin in uh, Bristol, Bristol, right? Bristol, yeah. Marcus Tawheed in Cardiff. Masjid Sunnah in Birmingham. Masjid Salafi in Birmingham. Masjid Furqan in Stoke. And Masjid Abi Huraira in Stoke. 
Markaz al-Salafi in Manchester, Masjid al-Sunnah in uh, Bradford and others from the various masajid. All of them by the permission of Allah from the wealth of the Muslims, from the sweat of their brow. And this is all we ask. So we do not defend and we do not forbid they're speaking against the Muslim rulers because of any benefit that we get from them. We do get benefit from the scholars, from the universities. When we go there, we sit with the mashaykh. But as for financial aid, then no, not personal and not for our masajid. Even though it is not haram. At all it is not haram. Rather, money spent on the masjid al-salafi that teaches the sunnah is khair. And it is rewardable for them and it is rewardable for us. But we never received. The point is, we never received. Not to say it is haram. Let alone that we took money from the British government. Like these Kaddabin, they say that Salafi publications took a million pounds from Prevent. <laughs> ya Akhi, is there no limit to your Kadib? Is there no limit to your lies? We're going to walk away with a million pounds and you're not going to see the fruits of that million pounds and you know, there's no documentation that you have. Where did that figure come from? You could have just plucked out 10 million. Why, why stop at a million? Why don't you just tell the Ummah we took 10 million or 20 million? Where did you get the million from? Is that the first thing that came to your mind? Ya Kaddab? And this is the way of Ahlul Bid'ah. The one who lies upon Allah and His Messenger, then it's even easier to lie upon us, right? A man who's going to commit Bid'ah, ascribing falsely to the Prophet Sallallahu that which the Prophet Sallallahu was not upon. Ascribing to the deen of Islam that which Islam is free from. Then to, if they're going to do that with the deen of Allah, then who is? Maktaba Salafiyyah. And Masjid al-Salafi and Masjid al-Sunnah in Aston, who you know, they're nothing compared to the lies that they invent against the deen of Allah. But you see them plucking, in fact, uh, plucking these numbers out the air. In fact, a brother, I was in Asda, in case you want to know where I shop. <laughs> I was in Asda at the end of the summer. I think it was the end of the summer. I remember it was a sunny day, a nice bright sunny day. And I was just getting into my car to drive home. The local, a small local Asda. And uh, a brother came and he tapped on the window. He said, Akhi, I want to... Actually, he was in his car. And I turned to move the car. And he pulled down his window. He said, I want to talk to you. It's a person who's, who's uh, prone to shubahat and doubts for many years. So I said, Alhamdulillah, if there's some khair, may Allah bring it in this, whatever he's going to ask me. So he came. He said, oh, I've just come to you, Akhi. Uh, you have to make tawbah. I said, Astaghfirullah. What, uh, is there anything specific I need to make tawbah about? He said, you know. I said, uh, I know what I do, but I don't know what you're thinking. Tell me. He said, you know what's been said. I said, what's been said? He said, you know what's been spread. I said, I said are we going to get to the point? What is it? He said, you know what they've been saying on YouTube and you know these, these things that are being spread. I said, are you going to get to the point? What is the issue? So actually he was... Uh, you know, weaving around. And I said, what is it? Is it money? Is it, what is it? He goes, yeah, prevent money. You know, astaghfirullah. And uh, womanizing. I said, that's news to me. And I'm sure it would be news to my wife. That you're going to accuse me of womanizing? And uh, money. I said, which money? He said, prevent money. He said, you know, everyone's saying it. So I said, so you've come to me that I should make tawbah for taking money that I never got. We should, I should need to make tawbah for money. Anyway, it is not haram to take money from the British government. As long as they're not telling you to change your religion or whatever. 
But I said, we didn't take money. So why should I have to make Toba? And he goes, no, no, but you, you know, but it's been spread. And you need to make Toba for other things. I said, what? He said, what's been spread? He goes, everyone, the masses, they know. I said, well, masses must know something that I don't know. What should, and this is how, this is the reality that we live in today. This is the reality that we live in today. You know, when Yasir Qadi said what he said about Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab, that, he's, that he was a takfiri and he declared all of the Muslims to be kuffar except for him, himself. So I wrote that article on my website. So someone commented. And the comment said, the way that you're defending Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab with his own statements indicates to me that actually he might be guilty. I'm still trying to get my head around that one. He said that the vociferous defense of Sheikh Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab with his own words, because I've quoted Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab himself, right? That I don't make takfir and we don't rebel against the rulers and we don't make takfir upon the Muslims. And even if a person was to worship at the grave, at the shrine of Fulan and Fulan. So I put those quotes in. He said, the way that you're saying all of this shows that this accusation must have some truth to it. Otherwise, why would you and before you hear himself be defending himself like that. So this is what the people, if this is what the people are upon, then Allahu Musta'an. What do you do? Ikhlas and sincerity is extremely important and sidq. The amount of kadib, wallahi, and I said it the other day to Abu Hakim, and I said it to uh, Sheikh Hassan Somali, and to uh, and some of the other brothers like, like Sheikh Fuwais Tawil and Sheikh Abu Iyad. I said, Wallahi, the, when we began Da'wah to Salafiyah back in the early 90s, I never heard kadib and lying that would come off the tongues of the people as easily as it, uh, as it does today. They don't care lying. There is no distinction between truth and falsehood. So, alaykum bi sidq, my brothers and sisters. Upon you is to be truthful in all of your dealings. Barakallahu feekum. وسبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت استغفرك وأتوب إليك